this is Grady Summers. I'm FireEye's CTO, and I'm here with the FireEye Ion Security Podcast. Joined today by Dan Scally, who leads the Industrial Control System Consulting uh, Group here at Mandia. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Grady. So we're going to talk today about industrial control system security, uh, SCADA security. But can you maybe start by just level setting us? I know we misuse or we mix a lot of these terms. What is critical infrastructure and what kinds of industries are we usually talking about? Sure. Yeah. So I think the the key word with critical infrastructure is critical. So it's something that's sort of in the fabric of a society or you know, nation or something like that versus an industrial control system where the key word is industrial, right? So you could have a system that's you know milking cows. And I would argue that that's an industrial control system, but it's not something that's you know critical infrastructure. Yeah. And similarly, something like a Wall Street system, um, you know, that's not industrial in mm-hmm. nature, right? Because it's only an information based system. But I would definitely regard that as critical infrastructure. Okay. Um, so we would typically focus on industries that are at the intersection of that. Um, so things like utilities, whether it's electric power or gas or other, you know, water, things like that. Yeah. Um, water and wastewater treatment, pipelines, transportation, dams, bridges, waterways. So that would all fit into kind of the critical infrastructure definition. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly other types of industrial control systems that are mission critical to companies. And those are also areas that we take a look at, things like manufacturing, chemical, pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. oil and gas, exploration, production, and refining, things like that. I know you've also done some work for uh, breweries, and I assume we consider those critical infrastructure? <laughs> Definitely. You wouldn't want a denial of beer attack or anything <laughs> like that. So, you know, when we think about everything that runs again, all the infrastructure in industrial control system from a uh, you know, a PLC to a, a Siemens or a GE system, a Windows laptop. Um, how do organizations think about protecting like IT, you know, information technology, legacy IT systems, and their OT or operational technology systems? And I'll also ask you a comment. We hear a lot about an air gap. You know, do, is an air gap an effective way to do that? Sure. So an air gap can be extremely effective in you know, minimizing the opportunity for a threat actor who's on the IT side of the network to access ICS. Even in a case where there's an air gap, there's still different vectors where cybersecurity threats can impact ICS. So think about something like removable media, right, USB or, or something like that. Um, where you can just walk into the plant and plug one of those in. And we have seen customers who've had issues with commodity malware that have got in that way, also through the supply chain, um, where something comes with malware on it that you purchase from your vendor. But unfortunately, that's actually the case of the air gap is very, very rare. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actually, in the vast majority of situations that we walk into, there's no air gap. And in cases where there is one, it's eroding very quickly, right? There's a lot of pressure, particularly in like the manufacturing space where there's really tight margins um, to, uh, to basically connect and get information out of the plant floor that's helpful for business operations, right? So... You know, things like predictive analytics, if you can predict that your equipment's going to fail before it fails, it keeps your uptime you know, up. Right. And you just want basic information like charts and graphs, historical information about the process and, and things like that. Um, so you pick up any trade journal and the vendors in this space, whether it's Siemens or GE or Honeywell or you know, um, Schneider Electric, pick your vendor. They're all talking about mobility on the plant floor, wearables, you know, using your Apple Watch to walk up to a piece of equipment and you know, see some status about it. So 
I think um, the air gap uh, is is a myth today in most yeah. scenarios and will become uh, more extinct in the in the future yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, given that the air gap is is uh, kind of rapidly becoming extinct, what are some of the vulnerabilities we tend to see uh, in industrial control systems? Yeah, so um, we've seen a lot of interesting things when we've done uh, what we call our ICS health check. Um, so essentially, okay. we'll go in and use a non-invasive methodology to look and see what type of connectivity is there from the ICS to other areas of the network. Some examples of things that we've seen, um, a company uh, that was based only in North America had computers on their SCADA network communicating with machines in China and Australia. Hmm. Um, we were at a, a facility where a satellite office had a guest wireless and BYOD network that actually had a route into the industrial control systems wow. network as well because of a misconfiguration in a firewall. Um, so, you know, in a, in a lot of these cases, we're finding that in areas where customers thought they had, you know, segmented the ICS network from the business network, um, that's really not the case. Um, in other cases, we've seen things like missing patches, uh, you know, a power generation facility where the firewall hadn't been patched in about eight years since they actually commissioned the facility and, and got started. So some of the things that we might you know, take for granted on the IT side, uh, we can't you know, take for granted on the ICS side because of the different things that are, are driving the security posture there. Well, maybe you can touch a little more on that because it strikes me that the vulnerabilities you just mentioned are kind of things we would have been talking about in IT 10 years ago, misconfigured firewall and lack of patching or improperly segmented network. Is it is it lack of awareness, lack of effort, uh, lack of budget, or just kind of the general immaturity of the tech stack? Yeah, um, I think there's a couple factors that influence that. Um, the, the first would be it's a very vendor-driven security posture. When you purchase a industrial control system, it's a lot like purchasing a piece of equipment, right? Like a turbine for mm-hmm. your power generation facility, right? something yeah. like that. And so you get these machines that come you know, pre-configured from the vendor with the operating system, with um, you know, the applications on top of those. And basically, you can void your warranty in some cases if you, um, if you, if you don't um, you know, have basically permission from the vendor right, yeah. to, to make changes to, to that kind of a, a system. And so that's one thing that's, that's challenging there. Um, the availability requirements are, are really high um, as right. well. I think you can argue that in the IT space, there's a lot of, you know, Facebook went down for a few hours, people would be yeah. going crazy. Uh, but I think that the, the margins um, in a lot of these environments, and because it, it is an operational technology that's yeah. essentially driving a cost for the business, makes that high availability, com- you know, along with that low budget, uh, makes it more difficult to make changes. So often the strategy is if it's working, don't touch it. Yeah, for sure. So that's the vulnerability side of thing. What types of threats are we seeing these types of systems or these types of organizations face? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few different things. Um, the first is ransomware and commodity malware. Because of the lack of patching, most of our clients have experienced some sort of situation where ransomware has gotten into the industrial control system segment of the network. Now, you're certainly going to have a bad day uh, at that point because now you maybe the line is down, right, or, or you're, you have a plant down scenario. 
But if you have a good backup, you can kind of mitigate the, right. the damages there, right, and, and get back up and running in some reasonable amount of time. If you don't, uh, it's it's a really, really bad day at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that. Um, even things like Conficker, right, getting yeah. onto industrial control systems. Um, huh. So that's number one, the kind of commodity threat. Yeah. Then also the nation state uh, scenario. So uh, back in December um, in the Ukraine, there was uh, a blackout in a couple of different uh, utilities that were compromised right. uh, by a group uh, that iSight partners have done a lot of great work on that to talk about how they believe that was the Sandworm team, which was a Russian nexus oh, yeah. attack group as well. So ransomware, nation state, it sounds like a lot of the same threats that we face on the IT side, just with very different uh, implications, I guess. So having talked about those risks, can you talk through some of the best practices? What are the things that you generally recommend to our clients to secure those environments? Even if you can't touch anything or make changes, you can still have a good incident response plan, right? So if something were to happen, what would you do? What are the different handoffs between the IT department and the OT department? Another thing that you can do that would require a little more investment in technology is to get some monitoring into the space. And that's one thing that we recommend the most, right? So if you know it's vulnerable and you know you can't touch it or change it, well, then you better be watching it as closely as possible, right? Yeah. So there's things you can do, like collecting full packet capture, uh, where there's it's typically a low bandwidth sort of area right. of the network. So just watch every packet that's going in and out of the ICS bound for IT and, and vice versa. You can collect things like Windows event logs, which are going to be there. Some newer PLCs have syslog. So there's really ability to collect a lot of technical information um, and to get some network security monitoring in place to look for a anomalous type of stuff. And that's something you can do without really making changes to the actual ICS. So you're, you're in uh, in sync with the vendor warranty and, and the promises that you've you made to the vendor. Other things uh, similar to the IT side, so getting good network segmentation so that the ICS is really separate um, you know, from the rest of the IT network. And if you're going to allow remote access, do that with two-factor authentication. And then the last piece would be uh, to get some technical standards in place. So it is very hard to change ICS, but if you don't know what to ask for from your vendor, if you don't know what your ideal state is, even for devices that you manage yourself, then you, know, you really have no chance of getting to that state. So at least drawing that line in the sand and understanding you know, what is the expected technical standard for the different devices that I expect to see on the industrial control systems network, and then just trying to drive towards you know, some level of, of standardization if that's reasonable. You've outlined a pretty pragmatic set of steps that organizations can take there, things that they could do, which are all pretty straightforward, but they do take time and effort. What are the biggest challenges when you're working with clients, the biggest challenges that they face in getting some of that implemented? Typically, it's relationships between the IT and the OT folks, yeah. right? So one thing that I recommend is definitely to spend time with the, the folks that are responsible either from an engineering perspective or an operational perspective with running the industrial control system. Understand what their concerns are, get to know them, take an interest in the different technologies. And I think building those relationships helps to break down you know, some of the inertia. Mm -hmm. um, certainly a box of donuts goes a long way <laughs> in those situations. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the other challenges, the inability to make changes, as I mentioned. Yep. So really kind of not coming in with a policy-based approach where, hey, you need to, you know, patch these things or you need to put antivirus on a relay, right, which yeah, is not yeah. technically feasible, right? So if you can show that you understand the space and come in with a pragmatic approach 
um, I think that goes a long way to, to kind of bridging that gap. But, but certainly it's an investment of time and, and effort. But I would argue that in most cases, if you're worried about ICS security, these are some of your most critical assets for your organization. If you're not placing a cybersecurity focus there, perhaps you know, your, your focus is misaligned. Yeah. It seems like there's been a lot of focus in this area of security, and, and I'll see sometimes startups that are very focused on the industrial control system security space. I mean, what's your take on that? Are there tools that sort of are un- uniquely work well in that environment, or is it really just uh, learning how to apply the proper things that we've learned to do in IT over to the OT side? I think there's a lot of value with applying IT strategies in the appropriate way for ICS, right? So it's not just a drop-in. You have to understand that you're, for example, you should be patching, but maybe you do so on like a quarterly basis, right, Right. instead of a monthly basis. You should be doing vulnerability scans, right? But to turn a vulnerability scanner or something like that loose in the ICS without any testing to see what impact that would have is probably not the right strategy. So it's it's really um, about trying to, to achieve the same things, but understanding, you know, how to, how to apply those um, right. appropriately in, in the ICS space. I think specific to ICS, though, it's really an anomaly detection game. Yeah. So, you know, if you look across, like, the general IT space, we have a wealth of knowledge around past incidents, you know, malware, other intelligence and indicators. In the ICS space, there's maybe three or four examples, right? We can look at Stuxnet, we can look at the Black Energy family, Havex, count on one hand, right, the number of actual samples or things that we can look at. So instead, you're, you're trying to say, what's normal in this environment? What do I expect to see in this environment? And if I see something else that doesn't look quite right or do some frequency analysis, right, right or things like that, those are the things that you want to zero in on. Okay. How do we help our clients? Uh, I know we do incident response in the industrial control systems environment, and then you've got an assessment as well. What's a typical engagement look like? We have a variety of assessments looking at the overall strategy of, you know, do you have the right policies and procedures and governance of the whole ICS security program in place? So that would be number one. Number two would be more technical assessments. So either the non-invasive approach that uh, I talked about where, you know, we're not creating any traffic on the network. We're just sort of looking at packet captures, doing a firewall review, doing architecture reviews. We've also had clients ask us to actually do pen testing and red teaming. So, for example, a utility had us walk into a substation, assuming that, you know, the lock was broken on the Uh gate, um, and asked us how far could we go from there, right? And Uh what, what could we do? So we really, you know, we ended up unplugging serial cables and plugging them into our laptop to see wow. kind of what, yeah. what we can do. And they were much more mature than a, a lot of other uh, ICS asset owners, okay. and they were sort of ready for that. Okay. We do uh, a variety of assessments there. There's also uh, an opportunity to start helping customers get visibility into ICS. So basically, if there's a strong SOC or a, a cyber defense capability that's in place, we can help clients with bringing in the ICS area okay. into that visibility and to start to actively monitor the ICS environment for oh, threats cool. as well. Okay, great. Well, Dan, thanks very much for joining me today. It's great talking with you. You got it. Thanks for having me.